0: S3N, the essential sports network, hosted by three essential workers. With me, as always, are my partners in crime, Richie Donnell and Markilio Atkins. Today, we are going to jump right into it with my personal favorite. It's that time of the season, fall, 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 football, 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 and it is in full blast, just like COVID-19. Richie, what's going on with the NFL this week?
1: Yeah, before we get into the big games, I think we need to start talking about some of the teams that are making changes up front, and we talk about the Houston Texans, uh, not this week, but last week, firing Bill O'Brien coming out of their game, and then Dan Quinn getting fired this week. I I think both coaches had the writing on the wall. I don't expect to see uh, any arguments from either one of you on that point, but it brings me to some of the other teams that we're seeing struggling and some of the other coaches that could end up on the hot seat. When you guys look around the league, what are some jobs that immediately stick out to you that, man, either these guys aren't as good as I thought they were, or these guys just need to get fired because they need to rebrand altogether?
0: Well, up until the Browns started putting it together earlier this season, I mean, they haven't gotten it right. The Bengals, for forever. I mean, I know they've been through kind of a parade of coaches. They had the one long-standing coach who I won't dignify with naming in this podcast because he really never got it done in Cincinnati. But, I mean, Ohio seems to be always the great one with me. I couldn't agree with you more. Like, Bill O'Brien, I'm wondering what took him so long. I mean, he squandered J.J. Watt's best years, squandered him. Uh, traded away their best wide receiver in the offseason. I don't care if that was the GM or whoever. Uh, I'm sure the coach was talked to about He was both. He was the GM as well. Oh, he was. Well, then, I don't know what took him so long, man. And Quid, I mean, they gave him a long leash since he blew that Super Bowl. I mean, he's been at it for forever. These are guys who you look at the talent at the college level of coaching and wonder how it is. That these guys have a job and those guys can't break into the upper tier. I mean, else is there anybody on your list
2: that, yeah. that you well, think I'll, needs I'll, to go? I guess I'll answer that question. I'll tell you why, why those guys are on the list. Like you said, the writing was on the wall, but at the same time, it, it's it's just two different two different stances. You have Dan Quinn uh, of the Falcons, where as a player's coach and players was there advocating for him. You had You had Julio Jones. You had everyone saying how great of a coach he was. He was last year. um, I think they started out one and seven before they went six and two. So another tumultious, another terrible start. And um, like like you said, the writing was on the wall. And as far as with Bill O'Brien, that that's been on the wall for the last couple years too as well. And I think it's another the opposite end of player relationships you got, uh, as far as Bill O'Brien, you got the, the crazy relationships that he had with, uh, with, with Jadavion Clowney, um, the, the, the back and forth with him and DeAndre Hopkins and DeAndre and him talking about DeAndre Hopkins, baby mamas. And, you know, you just kind of had a toxic, Environment, Even with just like Bob McNair and some of the statements that he made about the players kneeling. Um, but it, it's time. It's time to get some change in there. And, and I think some of the other coaches that's looking, um, you know, like the writing might be on the wall is really, to be honest, I, I'm looking at Mike Zimmer and I'm looking at all the criticism he's gotten for, you know, even just this past week for not kicking the field goal and just the expectations that came into this year and what everybody thought Minnesota would be, um, when you don't have a coach, when you have a coach that's not meeting those expectations, and, and, and you know, the question comes, uh, is he the problem? Is Kirk Cousins the problem? Someone's going to have to ask some answers, but... Kirk Cousins is absolutely the, the
0: problem there. I mean, I think we got all... Kirk Cousins is the problem. Eighty. I mean, what was it? $85 million guaranteed? I mean, what were you... Th- thinking i mean was he i am part of me but was he high was he on the (laughs) rock during that who gives kirk cousins the perennial backup 88 million guaranteed dollars something like
1: that well well to to that kirk was was never a backup he took over immediately in washington um for rg3 after rg3 got hurt and never gave the job back but yes 88 million is absolutely ridiculous regardless um
0: If Kirk Cousins was a starter, he was such an unbelievably bad starter that none of us were paying attention to it. And I'm not saying that he was. I mean, I, I agree. I absolutely remember his loud yeah, You want it? You want it? Tyree? I mean, I get it. He coached everybody. I get it. Right. He, he's
1: just, we can just agree that he's not worth the money that he's paying. Awful.
0: They were awful. You talk about teams that are going to lose coaches. Washington's at the top of that <laughs> okay. list too. But
1: here, here and here's where I disagree with you guys because Chris, you said Washington and Cincinnati both first-year head coaches. I couldn't tell you the last NFL head coach who got fired after year one. It doesn't happen. Cleveland, who's four and one, will not fire their head coach. By the way, uh, as you said, the Browns can't get it together. They are four and one, and I, I think with Mike Zimmer, he's a first-year head coach as well. With Mike Zimmer, I think he's bought himself at least another year after this due to the fact that Minnesota's been in the playoffs under his tenure. And And I'm shocked that none of you guys, neither one of you have said the names that I have. Adam Gase from the Jets, that writing's on the wall. They're now trying to trade Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Doug Marone in Jacksonville. Jackson, Jacksonville is an absolute dumpster fire. Quoted, uh, Put that on a t-shirt quoted as Chris Leopold.
2: Hey, quick but disclaimer, the, though. I thought we were like, te- I didn't think that those are given. I thought you were just okay. saying. <laughs> so here, here, you want my two,
1: here, here, I got you. I got two two bold ones. Anthony Lynn, they have lost 10 games by one touchdown or less over the last two years with the Chargers. Great roster on paper, but they can't seem to win close games. He will get fired. And the other one, the Super Bowl winning Doug Peterson will be fired in Philadelphia, with how bad that they have needs been
2: needs to happen. So bad. man, that probably should. That hiring never should have probably happened.
1: Philadelphia, blew, what last year? They were brutal last year. Found a way to make the playoffs because the division was so bad. They went eight Division's seven so and bad. one, right? And then they they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and now. They're brutal again. I, I mean, I get you win the Super Bowl, you're gonna extend the leash a little bit to get to try to write the ship, but this ship just ain't getting right. And so for me, yeah, if I'm if I'm making two bold ones where the writing isn't necessarily on the wall, Anthony Lynn from the Chargers and Doug Peterson from the from the Eagles, which leads me into the,
2: who, who hold the on, co- Richie, before you go any farther, who would you like for to who would you like to be released?
1: Me? Matt Nagy. <laughs> oh, i so
2: I just wanted to get it in there. That's all. Matt
1: Nagy. Matt Nagy, dude. Clean house. GM, gone. <laughs> Head coach, gone. Oh, don't get me started. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, but 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 to moving on to a, a coach that has consistently been ragged on by, by Chris, uh, and, and they're only going to get worse. Dak Prescott suffered a horrific injury this weekend. Uh, broken ankle. Uh he turned down a lot of money, you know, and a lot of people are now coming out of the woodwork to criticize him and his decision. And it's just it's unfortunate because he was I mean, he's he was having the most DAC year possible, but they can't win. And that is the most DAC thing to say because he's always put up good numbers. They've never won. Uh but a huge hit there in Dallas and to that offense.
0: Well, I'll tell you, man, Dal, yeah, I mean, I would not wish having had a horrific ankle injury like that myself. um, As several of you know, my wife has also gone through a horrific ankle injury like this. I mean, I've got two plates, four bolts, three screws, and wire wrapping nerve around
1: my left ankle.
0: All right? I have been there. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. Um, But who do you really have to blame here? You're right. Dak held out for more money. They offered him thirty five billion dollars a year or is the rumor right. I want to say it was somewhere in the mid thirties a year to play football and he turned it down. Was he worth more statistically? Maybe. Um does Jerry Jones have the willingness to spend money? Absolutely. Why it didn't get done, I don't know, but it's I mean I never want Jerry Jones to look good, but it's hard to argue with him with this outcome, right? He signed him to the franchise tag. The thing that he was worried about, right, happened. Dak got hurt because he doesn't have the people in place to keep him on his feet and didn't want to drop more than $35 million a year on a quarterback. That's a lot of teams, right? And Dak went ahead and went, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play this the way I play this. And it's just another how about them Cowboys situation, man. It seems to be par for the course for them. In the last 10, 15 years, it's either they trade away the guy who then goes off and overperforms at a uh, at a better contract, or they overpay the guy who then underperforms. On paper, this is a team that should be playing better than they are, and they're not. Now, I'm not going to lay that just at Jerry Jones' feet. I don't believe owners should be GMs, um, but we're seeing how bad some of the GMs are in the league. I'm not gonna go slapping them on the back and handing out high fives to the rest of them, but really, Mike McCarthy is it the same old same old? Is Mike McCarthy even capable of altering his game to a run game? Because he's still got Zeke, right? Zeke's the only thing. I mean, one of the few things left to Dallas. They got Lamb, but you got to have somebody who can get him the ball. I'm not even sure if I. I mean, what the? Who is the backup for? Andy Dalton. Now? Andy Dalton. Not at all to say it's it's the ginger it's gingerade himself, right? Andy Dalton, the the guy couldn't get it done in Cincinnati, but at least you know what? To be fair, he's got a better wide receiving core that he's had ever in his career. I mean, granted, he had A.J. Green for a while and all that jazz, um, but that's not like having the three headed monster he's currently got in Dallas. Um, Dallas should be a better team on paper, but they're not. And I wanna, I feel bad for Dak. But the only person Dak has to blame for this current scenario is himself. Now, do I hope Dak comes back next year um, and shoves, you know, a football so up Jerry Jones' butt that he's coughing up laces? Absolutely. All right? Absolutely. I hope that he comes back, gets the mega contract. I mean, maybe he might even go to another team. Better not be the Bears. Um, Outside of that, man, I mean, in, yeah, it's, in it's one really- play, Dallas went to a dumpster fire. They, like the whole house of cards crumbled. I put a lot on them having a big season, as you both know. I made some fantasy trades over the weekend with the, or over last week. I know we skipped the week here. I made a trade with the PLAZ, the one and only, um, to fill some needs in my roster, right? Cause I was, I, I went real low in quarterback, as you two know, um, and thought I could get by on Drew Brees and a rookie. And uh, that has cost me more than a couple games. I went from third to sixth real quick here in the last two weeks in a must-win situation in week five. I made some tr- moves where I traded away my number one running back and Ezekiel Elliott um, for uh, Dak Prescott and Lamb, and I gave up Ezekiel Elliott and Brown, the wide receiver, from the uh, Ravens. Uh, Which I felt was a good deal. He had some weaknesses in running back. I had a severe need in QB. We went through the trade. I got half a game of football (laughs) out of Dak Prescott. And ended up right back where I was with a hole in my running back line. Um, So I'll be scavenging the free agent wires here. Uh, We'll talk about that a little more as we roll the fantasy football Uh, all my best to zach zach is a human being as a player i wish him all the best as the cowboys go and as his contract goes i mean business is business right we want to talk about the business of football they offered him 30 plus million a year he chose to roll the dice this year he still got eight you know what he got franchise tag what is the tag for a qb this year 18 20 mil he certainly got money to get through this and out of quarterbacks, I'd put money on being able to come back from. I think Dak's got what it takes to come back and make a difference for somebody. We'll see if it's going to be the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, I'll be short and sweet, man. Um, it, it's very unfortunate what happened to Dak. And um, it's, very, it's very sad just seeing the, the trajectory that he was on this season. And, you know, just even him having being, the, being mentioned in MVP um, race right now even with them, with Dallas Cowboys having a losing record um, says a lot about what he was doing thus far this year um, and to just see something tragic like that happen man and just all that hard work, and you know, he took that contract in essence because he was just betting on himself, just like um, you know uh, everyone talks about what, what Aaron Rodgers is doing this year, is because Aaron Rodgers is betting on himself, so he can really up the price um, for for the disrespect, you know. And I think the same thing was kind of applicable with Dak, um, but he's going to come back. Um, he's going to come back to, like you said, Chris. Hopefully not. The Chicago Bears, but he's going to come back and he's going to be affirmative or positive to somebody team, and um, he'll get somebody, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully to the playoffs, because uh, it looks like even you know Dallas with Andy Dalton, which is let's let's not take anything away from Andy Dalton because Andy Dalton is a great backup quarterback. If this was to happen, that's the type of quarterback that you would want in that position. So, you know.
0: I have trouble associating Andy Dalton's name and great in the same sentence, just a bit. <laughs> but you're right; he's an excellent quarterback. backup. Yeah, to,
1: right. And and to Marquilio, what you what you're saying makes sense because Andy Dalton has been there. He's seen everything. He's been a playoff quarterback. He's been a quarterback on a really bad team. Um, but that's the the type of veteran you want. Uh, In a scenario like this, somebody who can navigate the waters. And just to touch on another big injury that happened, we don't know the extent of it, and so we can talk more about it and how it impacted their game. Uh, Sunday night was Dalvin Cook who ended up possibly with a groin injury. We don't know the extent of it, uh, but looks like they said the MRIs was
2: possible, right? Positive, excuse me. Well,
1: well, so he he had left the field, then came back, then went in for a play, then came back out. So there's been no... The rumor is is that because they have a bye next week, they're just going to not play him this week and give him two weeks off. Uh, But again, we don't know the extent of that. There's been no confirmation whatsoever. Uh, So I would like to jump into the games. I know we all watched the dumpster fire that was the Thursday night football game, uh, which was Chicago versus Tampa. Before you guys start ragging on me, I, I just I want to get this out of the way. As I told, you know, Markelio before, Matt Nagy deserves to be fired in every bit of the sense. I am not a fan. I was not a fan when they hired him. Ryan Pace deserves to be fired. The argument that is going to be made and that people are going to say is, well, we are four and one. And I keep talking about how this isn't college football. You don't have to win sexy. There is no points. You just have to beat who is on your schedule, but boy, are we a bad football team?
0: It was an ugly win. You got you talk about right how they a win is a win and all that, dude. It, you guys, I mean, it's you're winning, but you're winning in the ugliest manner oh, It's 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 awful. You're let's talk and look at the numbers. Nick Foles went 243 yards to a touchdown and an interception for you. You're a leading rusher, but he had put 40 29 attempts. yards,
2: right? But it's, 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 what it's I, bad And you guys' it's, defense. It's what I football. will say is, you, in, in you guys' defense, as I'm segueing yeah, to what yeah. I'm going to say, you're going to take is it right guys, out of my mouth. You guys' defense is, is, is impeccable. Um, you guys make up for whatever issues that they have from play calling on, on, on the offensive side with the defensive side. So. And,
1: and ultimately, that's what won us the game because at, when we're down, we were down thirteen nothing, and I thought for sure this is this is going to be absolutely awful. This is going to be a blowout, and, and they ended up scoring going in a half. But Kyle Fuller forcing that fumble, where where we made the clear recovery, and the and the the play got overruled by the officials. They changed it. They gave us the ball. That ended up being the difference, you know. And so, so to that point, our defense isn't as good this year as I thought we've been the last two years. But this year, they are definitely carrying the load. Uh, whereas last year, we lost a lot of games, uh, more so because of the offense. This year, it's almost as if Khalil Mack stood up in front of the room and said, look, we know we suck. We're going to have to win games because that's the only way we're going to win. And and they've the defense has taken it personal.
0: Yeah. We got to talk about it? the uh, elephant in the room in that game. Tom Brady goes. Was that the fourth down? <laughs> was that four? Was that four? Was that was Wait, that, was that awful, fourth? Was, awful that four, awful was that four? Was that fourth down, guys? Fourth down. Fourth down. Fourth down? You know, and then it's. Uh, you know what? And I, and I appreciate his coach who showed up and went. He knew. He do. Don't let. Don't let this fool you. He tried to make himself look better. He knew he threw a turd. All
2: right. Hey, you man. know the, is that is that just uh, is that Drew Brees and Tom Brady going downhill? I don't know. I mean,
0: I don't. I mean, the Buccaneers are three and two, man. I mean, I don't know if you count three wins uphill. I guess that's something. Well, but and, and, and to, so think
1: of, if you think about that though, you, you look at two divisions. The AFC North has three teams that are four and one, and you now look at the 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 NFC South that has three teams that are three and two. Which takes me to the next game of Carolina. And Atlanta, Carolina coming away with a basically a, a, a decent win uh, in the division. They're Offensively, they look pretty darn good. I mean, they're putting up points. Their receivers are having big games. Their passing game, Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater finding a way.
2: looking good, man.
1: You know, and, yeah. and I know uh, Marquilio spent a very high pick on this guy. But if they get Christian McCaffrey back at the right time, this could be a scary team.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everybody kind of counted them out once Kishita McCaffrey went down. And for them to be in the position that they're in right now, it has to feel great. It has to feel great.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, next game up, right? Well, talking about the Panthers, they managed to get hand the Falcons their fifth loss. How the Falcons are 0-5 this season gets me. It's why their GM and their head coach got fired. They've certainly got the talent on that roster. I mean, why Julio Jones can't catch a football in the end zone blows my mind. Poor blows my mind.
2: He's also hurt, too, so it's like he can't be as explosive as Juli- he Julio
1: Jones hurt is still a great number three, no matter yeah. what team he's on
2: but he's going to get you you know that that maybe that third and long uh, but he's not going to stretch out the, the defense or the coverage to where he's going to be that deep threat anymore. You're going to have to work with Gage on that and, you know it's it just Right. I mean a and different. Todd
0: Gurley putting on a show too. Total research in the last two weeks, right? Right? Yep. 121 yards and a touchdown this week. Uh something similar last week. Um so I mean I'm looking at the numbers here and it's just looks like Teddy Bridgewater just outdo them. Right, three hundred and thirteen yards, two touchdowns compared to Matt Ryan's two hundred and twenty-six and an interception. Uh, why aren't they putting this ball on the ground more? Then if they can't throw it, if Matt you know, Ryan can't get the job done, and Julio Jones is hurt, I mean they got to figure out a way to win because they blow double-digit leads. They're not catching stuff. Yeah. I mean. What is what needs to happen in Atlanta for this to go right? A
1: this is this is what change. I've yes, and and that's what I've said since, <laughs> since right, and, and that's what I've said. I mean, under Dan Quinn, for for all the arguments that the players made to keep him, and I, I think Dan Quinn is going to get another job as a defensive coordinator, and that team has a chance to win a. He's going to be a great coach wherever he ends up after this, but in his tenure. Everybody not named Kyle Shanahan was a poor offensive coaching hire. Their offense has been absolutely brutal under everyone except Shanahan. And they need to find a guy who can come in and rejuvenate this offense. They can't seem one week Like you just said, Todd Gurley goes off. They decide, oh, let's try to air it out. (sighs) Okay, well, Matt Ryan's having a decent game. Oh, nope, we're going to run the ball. It's, it's like they're, they're playing tricks on themselves for whatever reason. And uh, whoever's calling plays over there, look, uh, look, hey, guys, I'm, I'm a college coach. You guys can come hire me, and I'll do better than that guy.
2: <laughs>
0: well, that's just it. So, so now we're talking coach, right? You guys both said, coach, who's your selection? Who's your choice? If you could get anybody, college, professional, retired, whatever, if you could pick anybody to lead this team, And think that you could that would bring an immediate
1: turnaround. Who are we talking to here? I think a a low key name that not a lot of people are going to. I think he's going to get a lot of looks because of the Rooney rule. And I think that's a bad thing because I think he's a phenomenal coach with a bright future as a head coach. Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay. And we talk all the things about them being three and two, but. He was also the offense he but he was also the offensive coordinator that brought in Kyler Murray. Okay? Le- Left which has been around a while now. He was a quarterback coach up in Pittsburgh. He's been around. He's he was an NFL quarterback. I think he's the guy. To me, if you want to rejuvenate things, the only other name that I could think of is the team that just beat them and you're talking about big jumps going from college OC to NFL OC to head coach. Could be Joe Brady, and that's that's the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. He was the offensive coordinator at LSU last year when they put up all their crazy stats. Right now, Carolina seems to be able to throw the ball around, get it to their receivers, and, and do what they got to do. But that that's who I would go with if I had my two choices, Marquilio. What about you?
2: I don't know. I like the leverage. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I can also advocate for him too as well because it just seems like that'll be a good fit for Atlanta. Um, you know, uh, um, unfortunately, Dion is gone and they can't hire Dion. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure they
1: could if the price was right.
2: Yeah, but Dion ain't leaving. Where, yeah, Jackson State, Jackson State, yeah, <laughs> he ain't leaving Jackson State not right now. He didn't commit it to them too early. Maybe a year from now, after Jackson State go one in whatever they go. <laughs> <for>. <laughs> well but, and,
1: and let me ask you this I mean Markilio we both seem to agree on the idea of coaches and we both seem to agree that it could be a spot for Byron Leftwich if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're Arthur Blank do you just do you get rid of Matt Ryan right now do you just say you know what let's just pack this thing in lick the stamp and just send her
2: I don't know I've, I, I, Matt, Matt, the answer I to that question the- is yes, yes trade him for whatever right. you could get
1: <laughs>
0: for him <laughs> and move on Matt Ryan hadn't been the answer for this team for
2: five Send him to years.
0: <laughs> right, I have to say, he, and he'll end up in There you go. Another another Jerry Jones genius move. Going to be, that would, I could, wow, we're, no, we're, we're, we're <laughs> gonna pull out that crystal ball, Markelio. I'm telling you, man. You're predicting the future there. Absolutely. Hey, man, if the if the Falcons let him go, I would absolutely have no problem seeing the Dallas
1: Cowboys.
2: Negro Divas 2021.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and and let me and, and so, yeah, I, I, that was the most Chris answer that I expected when asking that question. Uh, <laughs> but moving from one quarterback that could be on his way out to a quarterback that they've been trying to get rid of that they can't seem to, the Derek Carr-led Oakland Raiders this weekend. Oh, my, oh, my. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was, I mean, it, 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 you got
0: to give it a man, there's props, right? 347 yards, three touchdowns, uh, 40-32 win over the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. And he dealt, man, he dealt. Um, is it a sign that Derek Carr has finally arrived? Is it really just that his coach doesn't believe in him? Is it that Derek just needs the right team? What is it, Mark What do you think? is the win here.
2: I don't know, man. They they they're winning right now. They, they just beat the Super Bowl champion. So, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, they they're doing something right. And um I feel I just feel I feel when I watched that game, I feel like they kind of just managed that game and and kept the ball out of Mahomes' hand and um it w- it was just a very good, you know, coach game. Um and hey, I enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoyed seeing Oakland take them down. I didn't expect it. I, I definitely tell you that I didn't expect it. But like I said, I think it was just kind of a, a, a very balanced game that they played. It, uh, it wasn't anything; wasn't really dominant. Uh, Josh Jacobs only had like he had like a season low of seventy three scrimmage yard lines. But it just still seemed like they held onto the ball for a very long time. I, I'd be interested to see the time of possession of that game. Absolutely. Very good point there. What did you think, Richie?
1: Well, and and here's here's the thing with both of those teams. And it kind of played into uh, the wrong hand for Kansas City and the right hand for Oakland. Oakland has, this year so far, they've typically been a fast starting team in games. They seem to come out high energy, boom, let's go, let's rock, let's roll. And then they kind of die out and let teams back into the game. Kansas City's been the exact opposite. They've, except for that Houston game, they've started slow, and then they sent. They seem to have really strong fourth quarters. In this fourth quarter, it just wasn't enough, and you know, uh, right. And so by that time, the game was over, and they weren't able to put it together and make the comeback. Uh, as Oakland, I think, separated themselves by uh, two scores there, and then Kansas City ended up scoring one. and Then needed some stuff to happen that didn't happen. But this Kansas City team, despite its lack of strong starts, they're four and one. I, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think either one of us are going to argue that they're not the best team in the AFC. You know, and, and so it, it's crazy to think that there's such a high standard to this team that dropping to four and one, there we're almost like this is unacceptable. You know, but that's just come to the expectation of what we expect from Kansas City.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I'm about to say, I think after last year, they kind of, we kind of moved that bar a little higher for them. And uh, you don't think about it as holding them to a higher standard uh, until you start going, you're right, they are 4-1, and, and that's not a bad way to start the season. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. No, no joke.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, even before that, I, I didn't... I... I didn't feel like they were gonna lose. Like they were always finding a way to win. Even with that game, I felt in my bones like Patrick Mahomes was gonna figure out a way to win that game uh, until it was about forty seconds left. I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you know, cause but he that's that's the
1: expectation, right? That's the expectation that we've come to expect of Mahomes, uh, you know. And I guess the other expectation that we've come to expect when the weekend. Has hit is that the Jets are going to lose as oh, they continue man. their skid against the Arizona Cardinals. And we were talking about bef- uh, either just before in the earlier uh, part there when we were talking about coaches, Marquilio. You had said you saw Le'Veon Bell. They're trying to get him yeah. out of town. They're trying to start to clear house here. And how? So how far is this house clearing going to go? Is Darnold <laughs> going to be a because- part?
2: It becomes political now. You become politicians in, in that business uh, room, man, and, and just everyone Everyone is for sale. It's all fiscal now, man. We need to just save money um, and, and just restock, get everybody, get a, get new blood in there. Um, other than that, no one even wants to talk about the Jets. I, I damn near don't even want to waste any more of my breath talking about the Jets other than Le'Veon Bell getting out of there. <laughs>
0: I'm about to say, is he going to have a career after the Jets? I mean, there's a lot of guys who go into the Jets and you never hear from them again.
2: You yeah, and it's, it's that running back position too, man. That running back position ain't as revered as it used to be. Um,
0: well, you know, I mean, really? Because there's hiding out big deals left and right on running back now. It seems like he
1: kind of led that charge. Not, but, but to, to, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Markilio, I, I think in what he's saying is, yes, you're right, there are big deals, but the shelf life of what we think of as an NFL running back is so yeah. short, and, and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh flat out told Le'Veon Bell, look, we want you here, we're willing to give you a deal, but if what you want isn't what we're willing to give, then sorry, we need to part ways because we have a young bull in James Conner who's coming right behind you, and we have no problem moving on from you. Le'Veon Bell decided that pastures were greener, literally, on the other side, and didn't care as to what team he went to. He took the money, and and we just talked about with Dak. I can't be mad at him for taking the money, but when it comes to being a, a productive NFL running back, what you're saying, Chris, yes, he, there is a chance. He may not sign with another team because he's been so bad since leaving Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well,
0: and let's, uh, you know what, enough about the I-can't-win Jets. That's going to be the story <laughs> for the next three years at least. Kyler, Burley, Kyler Murray put up 380 yards. He did throw the interception, but 380 yards and a touchdown here. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins continuing to make his presence known with 131 yards at this one long a 45 arizona trending in the right direction because i'm looking at their lineup and i'm going sure they've got the young rookie quarterback they've got some good key pieces it looks to be as if they have a few up and you know i mean hopkins great acquisition Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greats, even though he's not getting it done the way we, you know, that we're used to from him, but that's going to come in time. Uh, Kirk, you know, is he the future there? I mean, do we really are Kirk and Drake and Murray really enough to get
1: this Arizona Cardinals offense to the next level? Uh, K- Kyler Murray is a future MVP. I- yeah. I'm stating, I'm stating that right now. He, he, I, I think you give him he he's one he's in year 2 and so he's one year behind uh in in terms of experience where we talk about uh Mahomes, Jackson uh, or yeah, Lamar Watson he, so he's a young he he's not quite as experienced as those guys but i think at the same level so next year the year after i think you're going to see him really come into his own and, and i think when you, when you talk about this is the scary thing. The only comparison that I can think to try to put this into terms is think My about what Russell, what Russell Wilson's doing right now. You know, He might be the, the favorite of the MVP. And to me, Murray is going to be better.
0: Not if he keeps throwing those interceptions. Exactly.
1: I, I agree. Exactly. And that's why I said if you give it a year or two, I think you're talking about an MVP caliber quarterback. I, I agree. I think they made the right pick.
2: When I, when I think of Kyler Murray, I think of someone just like I'm watching Josh Allen right now. Josh Allen started out last year, and it was like, you know, he, he definitely didn't look like the Josh Allen that he finished off as far as his interception and, and touchdown ratio. And I just think that's something that Mr. Murray's going to have to work on because at the end of the day, that that's where, you know, um, like when you have so much athleticism or you have so much ability, such as like a Michael Vick. Um, you you kind of play into that, and you 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 think that you can make all the passes. I think um, once once he Gentlemen, settles down, I'm
0: going to interrupt this real quick just because I'm looking at the news. The Jets just released JV Bell. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I
2: released him exactly in Clean this house. conversation. Why not? Why not? Why not?
0: I've. Just felt I. I just wanted to drop a bombshell in the oh, middle of the conversation because it, it lined up so well. Aye. Wow, you know how do they? Jo- I mean, what does that leave them responding? Mean, the the conversation expands exponentially care. from here. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna pay him. <laughs> they're gonna play draft football. He's gonna, and
2: just get a future man and uh, get rid of all those contracts.
0: Well, Richie, you're our you're our depth. Well, you're our, you're our knowing the rules deep down. They release him. Somebody else picks him up. Is there any sort of compensation other than money that the Jets
1: will receive? Is this no? Because Nope, nope. So compensation picks, uh, as we know it. So Green Bay is the team that eats up compensation picks in the draft. Those picks come from a player that they don't, that they choose not to re-sign. That signs with another team and hits a certain standard in terms of playing, time, statistics, things of that nature, and that there's a value to that compensation pick. Le'Veon Bell being cut just means the Jets are paying him to go away. Whoever then signs him, can they can basically sign him to the league minimum. A team that immediately comes to mind, just because I don't know how long Mostert is hurt, is I could see possibly with that zone spread scheme that The Shanahans made famous that they run in Pittsburgh is the 49ers. And so the 49ers could give him what we would consider a league minimum deal because Le'Veon Bell is still owed his guaranteed money from the Jets.
2: Or even the Chargers.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and who knows how long Austin Eckler is going to be out as we talk about running backs. Um, But but no doubt somebody's going to get a good, angry uh, running back you know who who could end up being a team that or a, a team that needs a back to help them uh change their season around
2: as long as it's not the Chicago Bears cuz you got No, uh, we're not signing scoring. a
1: running back we're not signing a running back all right back to games that were just I had
0: absolute dumpster fires rams take out take out the Washington football team 31 um Jared Goff finally shows up on the football field with 309 yards and two touchdowns. Cab Akers making a bit of an appearance coming back from injury. Was anybody only, surprised this is the only way thing.
2: Involved? Only thing I was watching in this game was Alex Smith, man. I was just there happy to, to, to see him out there and see him successfully making a pass because after the gruesome, Oh, man. just even, just even I just had a flashback in my head I was after the gruesome to say, injury it,
0: right? so that think he received,
2: about it. man. It's just good to see him out there and playing the sport that he loved, to see his family out there celebrating, to to even hear some of the things that the uh, the opposition said, such as Aaron Donaldson when he was talking about you know uh, wanting him to damn near just release the ball and not even wanting to tackle him. But uh, I'm about to say that, that, watching his story, wife man. was more
0: entertaining that, than this game.
2: Yeah, that, that's the story in, in, in this game. Because at the end of the day, no one really expected, uh, Washington football team to even, you know, win too many games this season. So any games that they win is just a bonus. But this is such a feel good story to where, um, I was just, I felt privileged just watching it. it and it was, it was a feel good situation, especially coming after what happened to Dak. So. You know, no doubt, no.
0: absolutely. I'm about to say, we talk about guys who bounce back. Let's hope that Alex Smith continues to bounce back and reaches out to Dak and goes, "Hey, if I can do it, you certainly can." But the Bengals, right? The one three and one Bengals just get slapped around by the Ravens. The Ravens showed up as a different team because last week they didn't look like the Ravens, really you know they 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 weren't was the last week when they lost to the um well right to the Chiefs they looked awful they looked like they had no business being on the same field with them today they come around and they slap out the Bengals Joe Burrow 183 yards of reception Lamar Jackson not not really much better other than the touchdowns right 180 yards two touchdowns of reception they managed to pull out the win is it I mean, is that just like kicking around the disabled cousin, or what?
2: Yeah, man, it's that it's that offensive line, man. It's that offensive line. If they don't protect him, man, and he's already a rookie. You know, I mean, what did did you guys expect for the Bengals to possibly beat Baltimore? Because I know I wasn't. God no. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm
0: watching. You know, for fantasy purposes,
1: I'm watching exactly. Jumbo. I made Joe Burrow my last pick in like five fantasy leagues. Look, and you know, I I was going to use this last week because every week I've had to listen to Chris talk about, but you got Joe Mixon in the fifth. So two weeks ago, Joe Mixon went absolutely wild. And so I'm going, okay. Well, so so he ended up with 15 points this week. 59 yards. But, Zero well, touchdowns? But he ended up with 15 points because he, because he had sure, six saving catches. saving your ass at the fantasy no, football league. No, he didn't because <laughs> I went and looked at the schedule and I said there is a 0% chance I am playing him against this Baltimore defense because they are ruthless. And, you know, two weeks ago I criticized Patrick Queen for how he played against the Chiefs and how they made him look stupid. And he had a monster of a game. He played angry. He played pissed off. He was mad. And I think he heard the crickets, or I'm sorry, he heard the noise from the, from the media, from the people that are sitting here crucifying him for how poorly he played. And he just absolutely dominated from whistle to whistle, uh, even scoring a defensive touchdown just to, to continue to lead the way for that defense. That might be the best. I mean, it's in the conversation for best in the league.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a rookie, man. You're you're gonna see those ups and downs and those fluctuations of play. Um, I think part of just the experience it comes with uh, understanding the, the the grind that it takes every week that you have to bring to the field. Um, we even saw that with like with, with, with Kenneth Murray. You know, he had a, a back and forth uh, last week. The first half of the game was amazing. You know, uh, Kenneth Murray looked like the Kenneth Murray that they draft him. But then, you know, it's moments where you know, he doesn't look necessarily all that great. So you're just going to take those, especially at that 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 middle linebacker position. You know, it's very challenging. But yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, they like Baltimore. They are who we thought they were.
1: <laughs> so so staying in the same area, there was a, a I believe it was a twelve o'clock game that I I wanted to bring up to you, Marquilio, because you drafted this guy in fantasy, you let him go, and. Hello, Chase Claypool. Good morning. See, Allow me okay. to introduce myself. Oh, the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers basically let him do whatever it is he wanted, and Philadelphia did too because apparently they couldn't figure it out either.
2: See, the one thing about myself, I always get certain intuitiveness, or certain intuitions, and, and I kind of go with them, but I never stick to them. You know what I'm saying? When he didn't have that initial good week to start out, I think was the first week, I ended up letting him go. And one one of the biggest mistakes I made. Um, he, yeah, he was amazing. Uh, you guys notice I, I haven't really been talking about fantasy football because I got killed this week. I, I damn near want to go back to the prior week and talk about how and how I was ingenious and brought out Big Bob Tunyon and uh, it, it performed at that tight end position, but I can't uh, because that's the, not the most recent fantasy football week. The most recent fantasy football week, I absolutely got destroyed by uh, my, my co host over here, Richie Dunnell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, um, no. It was very humbling. It was very humbling. But, the, you know, the crazy thing about it was, uh, like I said, I got beat in 70%, maybe even 80% of my matches. This game isn't done. Josh Allen usually does good for me. But seeing that they only have 10 points right now, uh, I can't even imagine what he has. Right, at our I
0: Tuesday just, night football game. Thanks, Kobe. so So
1: destroyed. I'm just going to give you an update. Diggs has 18.6. Oh, hold on. 20.6 points. Josh Allen has 13.4.
2: So it, it says I have a 1% chance of winning. So that means I got a chance. I just got uh, score. to score, score, score 100 points with Josh <laughs> <laughs>
1: Allen. I was going to say, the score, yeah, yeah. Diggs is, is playing well, which is not right.
2: helping.
0: With that said, was anybody else here surprised by the Dolphins straight-up shellacking oh, wow. of the 49ers? Three hundred I mean yeah, Ryan I Fitzpatrick very, for three hundred and fifty yards, three touched three touchdowns. I mean, Morissette and his return game back. Um ran for almost a hundred yards, but no touchdowns there. Uh Garoppolo showed up for a bit of it, throws two interceptions. I yeah. mean, did we If I was would have... surprised by this, I mean
1: all the Dolphins good?
2: Hey, we talked about this. Don't, don't even let me go there. I'll let you start this, Rich.
1: Well, I was going to say, to Marquillo's credit, Markelio had talked about the Dolphins being an underrated team. and uh, But I don't think we thought they were underrated to the point where they were going to walk into San Francisco and walk out with their cheerleaders. But um, basically, to me, what I, th- what I think happened with the Niners is they got so used to being talked about the other way. Well, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? Another injury. Oh, they keep they keep finding a way. Oh, they won again without whoever. And this week, Kittle's back. Mostert's back. Garoppolo's back. Everybody's back. But there's only so much you can do in practice to get that chemistry back to get that vibe back, to get that, hey, we're the Niners, man. We're the Niners. Now, I absolutely expect that from them next week. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who they play. I haven't looked that far ahead in preparing for tonight, but I absolutely expect the nasty, the dirty, the grimy, pound the football 49ers next week as they get another week under their belt with all of their injured pieces back on the field.
2: Yeah, I concur, man. I agree. Um, I, I would have never thought, um, even looking in the schedule that this would have been a game that Miami would have picked up. Um, I am one person that, that advocated for them early in this season and said that they would be a, a kind of a sleeper team just because of some of the pieces that they add and just kind of some of the enthusiasm that I just kind of watching, um, some of the different teams and, um, seeing how just, just how people were talking about them and, and Miami seemed like one of those teams that can kind of shock a lot of people and, and I know Chris you had talked about Denver and Denver could have done the same thing but you know a lot got hurt but um, there's one of those teams man where they, they they look like they can be you know at, at least at least a, maybe a seven to eight win when you know win season where I don't think people would have thought that they might have won more, more than five games seeing the type of season that they had last year.
0: Right. Now, I'll just say, I know we touched briefly on that Cowboys game. Uh, Cowboys pulling one out uh, for the win for Dak there uh, against the Giants, 37-34. More than surpri- well, I guess I'm not that surprised once Dak went down that it went as close as it did. Uh, certainly one of the better games I've seen the Giants play. Uh, but one of the games, Seahawks-Vikings, right? Well, hold on, Chris, hold 26. on, Chris. Before, right.
1: before you get into that game, uh, there was a great philosopher who had a quote back in the day on, on the sitcom that used to come on TV. And the show used to always start with a phrase, Cleveland rocks, to quote the great Drew Carey uh, back in the day. The four and one, you can't skip over the four and one Cleveland Browns because twenty twenty, man, this it's got to be twenty twenty. Only in twenty twenty could the Cleveland Browns win four games, but they're getting it done.
2: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta eat my words on that. You know, for everything that I've talked about for Miami, um, I've, I've kicked a lot of shit. uh, Unfortunately, at Cleveland. And and talked about them being like the version of the the Clippers of football and things of that nature. But for for them to pull out a victory against the Colts with the, you know arguably one of the best defenses and uh, defenses in in National Football League and, and one of the better teams in the National Football League, um, it, it shows the potential. Uh, that they have and, and shows that they they might be reaching that potential I don't think it was ever a question of who they had or the talent that they possibly had when they put on the field um especially miles Garrett miles helmet snatching garrett um, it's been amazing man he's been he's been amazing this year um on the same type of finishing starting this year off the same way that he finished off last year on the tear um, and it, They've been, they've been looking good, man. Odell Beckham is looking Odell Beckham-esque, you know. He, he For got... the first
0: time in three years. <laughs> I'm not sold on the Browns. You got, I, I'm not ready to jump on the Browns bad wagon yet. I think the Browns are still going to end up being the Browns, all right? <laughs> I mean, I have I have, I have, have jumped on the Browns bad wagon on more than one occasion. Fool me once. Shame on you, Fool be twice, shame on me, fool be three, four, five times. I'll get on yeah, this bandwagon when believer, they make man. a But here's the thing, here's team. the
1: thing, Chris, and, and and I think you're getting a little ahead of what we're saying. We're we're not saying dude, this team's going to the Super Bowl. I'm not I'm not saying that by any means. But what I think you gotta look at is like Marquilio said, they they've made some moves. That we look at, and and over the past two, three years, they've made these moves, and we go, oh, Cleveland's back at it again. But but again, sometimes it just takes the right group with the right leader, you know? And you talked about, you know, it's when you go and buy a new toy, it's only as fun as you make it, right? And so you have to bring in someone who's going to use the toys that they have, because when you look at Cleveland's roster— they have ability. They've just never found a way to put it together. And I think, too, with, with what Marquilio said, I know going in two weeks ago, the Colts were the number one defense. I don't know if they, if they still were going into this game against Cleveland. But Cleveland went in without Nick Chubb, who last year was one of the best running backs in football, and this year has been one of the best running backs in football. He's on the IR, and they still ran the ball all over them boys.
0: Well, having Hunt sitting in the wings didn't hurt anything.
1: Well, and again, the, if you bring, hey, if you buy the toys, you just got to learn how to play with them.
2: A lot of times in those situations, it's just about cohesion, and that's what we're finding out in places like Tampa Bay, where you know you got you got great players out there. It's just about playing, getting the reps, wearing uh Unprecedented time where we haven't had, you know, we're getting the injuries, the hamstring injuries that we're getting because we didn't have the practices and the reps uh, in, in preseason and things of that nature. So it's tough. No doubt.
0: No doubt. Now that we've moved past our love fest for the Browns, which I didn't see coming, <laughs> Seahawks, Vikings. Pulling out to stay 5-0, 27-26. DJ Betcalf, 93 yards, two touchdowns. Russell Wilson proving that he deserves to be in every MVP conversation. May have only thrown for 217 yards, but three touchdowns. Did have the one interception. Kirk Cousins tried to keep it interesting. Uh, Really, I mean, that last drive. I'm not sure if you gentlemen actually watched this game. But that last drive orchestrated by uh, Seattle was something to watch. I mean DJ DK Metcalf beast. 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 See, I don't I wouldn't want any piece of him. I mean does he make a situation or
2: what? This is a situation where, you know, I hate to bring up the coach again and uh, you know, I don't, uh, you, you, you can you can take the point of saying, well, you know, if he would have kicked the field goal, or it, even if he if he's going for it, but I, I just feel like, man, you gotta you you gotta trust your defense in that situation. You can't just sit here and think that you're going to put them away. Even in your Minnesota, you're you're trying to win. I get it, I get it, I get it. But you got to be smart, and um, those those are the type of chances that you take that will be questioned. When it becomes a loss, you know what I'm saying. If it would have been a win, it'd have been great. But when it's a loss, you gotta think. Let's just get these points on here. Let's let's go up eight. Make them go for the two because what they were up five, correct? Man, they were up five. So go for go for the three, and, and trust your defense. Um, how many minutes was left?
1: Well, it, to to what you're saying about the defense, let let me put it this way. Uh, from the other side, from the coach's perspective side of what Mike Zimmer's thinking. In you do I I right, but here's in watching the whole game, Minnesota controlled the game for the entirety until Dalvin Cook got hurt because they were able to run the ball. They made they made Seattle load the box, and then they started hitting Phelan and Irv Smith. And they and they tried to get Jefferson involved, but they they were able to start hitting the outside. They were able to start hitting the receivers when they made Seattle crunch down. When he got hurt, the defense was on the field so much because they just they couldn't sustain any type of offense, right? And so in a, in a four situation, yes, do you go for? Should you have kicked the field goal with so many minutes? Yes, probably. But in his head, he's going. If we don't score, I don't know that our in his head, he's never going to say this, but in his head, he might be going, our defense is gassed. They might not be able to make this stop in order for us to win this game. And so we got to nut up and we got to score a touchdown to put this thing out of reach because a field goal just ain't going to do it.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and I understand like analytics and people say this and say that, but I, I'm I've always been a person that says you got to kind of check, check the temperature of the game and kind of know what's going on. And like you said, you know, I understand they loaded the box, but at the end of the day, you have to win. And you, if you have a for sure, I mean, I guess nothing for sure because you could have missed the field goal but you're at least putting yourself in a position to where you have a lead and you're not putting it in the hand to where it, you're saying, if I do not score, in contrast, what can happen? Especially when you got Russell Wilson over there on the other side. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what's planted to my mind. What's planted in my mind is if I don't score. And I know if I don't score – Nine times out of ten with Russell Wilson he is going to score. So now I've put myself in a position to where I have what maybe 20 seconds if I'm good 20 30 seconds to to try to get a miracle when you have a high percentage situation in the field Well
1: you right said there. it was what five minutes left so you were given Russ four minutes regar- or four and a half minutes regardless of the situation. to me and so like you said, if you don't score, nine times out of ten, Russ is going to score, which to me negates Send the it's idea overtime. of
2: the, Send of it's the field goal. You, but you got the lead. You know what i But I'm
1: saying that's what they had the lead is what I'm saying. And so to me, I'm going for the score because yeah, I want but, to put it out of reach.
2: But nine times out of ten, if it's five minutes left and you kick that field goal, you know what I'm saying. Even if he if he scores in a, a minute and thirty seconds, you can manipulate that clock for what two minutes easy. If you get a first down,
0: I agree. I mean, I, I think parts of that game were so, severely so, mismanaged.
2: Uh, I, it's just bad checkers. I mean, bad chess, man. Just see, I
0: agree with you. I think it's part of the Vikings' problem, man. It's it's management, right? It was mismanaged. Had he gone for that field goal, they, you know.
1: They still could
2: have lost. He could still Right, who it, knows? But, right. But I just feel like at the end of the day, you have to put yourself in a position to, to take those points, um, especially when you haven't won. You know, I know people want to come out swinging, but desperation will often lead to you getting knocked out. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> swinging for the fences and not having a hand up protecting Oh, we'll get yourself.
0: to knockouts later when we start talking boxing because we saw a few. <laughs> but let's talk Monday night football, right? And I don't know about you guys. I was hyped on Monday night football because it saved my fantasy week in a week where uh, my starting quarterback got hurt. I had everything I needed from it because I had the Saints kicker. I had the Chargers rookie quarterback starting in not one, not two, but three other leagues. And my God, dude, Herbert. He threw, what was it, two or three touchdowns in the first half alone. Four overall, 264 yards. Somehow managed to win that game, or lose that game to the Saints. Um, I couldn't believe it went into overtime. It was closer than I thought it needed to be. The Saints kept going. In fourth down situations, to Hill instead of Breeze, is that a sign that things to come? Is that just oddball to me? I mean, I don't know if the Saints deserve to win this game. The Chargers put on a show offensively. We talk about defenses being gassed. You watch Bosa come out in that fourth quarter for like the last four minutes of defense in that game, and he was gassed. Dude, right. He was hands on his knees, and I mean, he was still pressuring the quarterback Still pressure the quarterback, but the Chargers just could not keep the Saints' offense off the field long enough for all this. Long enough to pull out the wins, so the Saints come away with what an overtime. I managed to get all the points that God seemed blessed to bestow upon me, and I come out a winner in this wonderful ES3M league, even after losing the wonderful Dak Thank you to the Chargers not throwing a whole lot of footballs. He, he threw four touchdowns, not one, I think only one of them maybe, to Allen in the first quarter. Save my butt against uh, Zach there. Sorry that you took it in the teeth, buddy. I'm happy to whoop on you twice in one week. We'll do it again, uh, say, six weeks from now. But <laughs> what'd you guys think? Monday night football, everything you expected or a bit bored? Did the Chargers give this game away or did the Saints deserve the W?
2: I was really impressed with the defenses. I think I kind of alluded to that earlier. It was a tale of two different halves where, um, the first two halves, excuse me, the first two quarters you had, uh, you had the Chargers that, 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 played some, some great defense. And I think they, they had started out, what, 20 to three? Um, you saw people like like Kenneth Murray kind of stepping up. You saw uh, Adderley, uh, the, the safety, coming there and almost run one all the way back. Um, so you were kind of seeing some of the pieces out there. Um, and, and man, I, I got to tell you, you, you kind of the Chargers is one of those teams you kind of root for because Chargers are always hurt. We've kind of we talked about that in the past with with Derwin James going down. You, it's such a big injury um to 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 see them have success um I I root for them so it it was cool seeing them have some success in those first two quarters but just as much success that they had in those first two quarters was the success that uh the the other team had the last two quarters um I mean the Saints showed who they were defensively and they kind of got themselves together and um and and protect it and and, and actually start scoring. So it, it was it was very good, man. It was it was very interesting. Um, I I expected the Saints to win. I, I didn't think it would be that close. Um, but I think the Chargers gave it away. It's always good to see Justin Herbert um, excel the way he is, and I'm I'm just I'm floored by by his skill and what he's been able to accomplish so far.
1: Yeah, I mean the 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 Saints' defense has found ways to make plays when they need to. Uh, they they've they've had a good pass rush in the past. Their secondary is better on paper than what it's been so far this year, and they made just enough plays to win. Um, and and look, Chris, like you said, Sean Payton taking a lot of gambles on fourth down, just trying to make up. You know, the gap in points and just trying to put some points on the board there. Uh, they leaned on Kamara a lot in the end, dinking it to him, running it to him. They would go a lot of two backs with him and Murray, just trying to get any type of advantage that they could. Uh, to, to what you alluded with Taysom Hill, that's not even a page in a book to even start reading. There's nothing to read there. Um <clears throat> The Drew advantage you can't
0: keep doing this. No, no, forever. No, 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 but, 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 they, like, that, but here's yeah. what I'm
1: saying. The, what, what, what you're, what, I'm not saying Drew Brees is going to play forever. The reason you put Taysom Hill in on fourth down, and this is going to be something that you might see them do more often, is his ability to be an athlete. His ability to run, his ability to throw. About the just, oh, I should stack the box yes, I can't throw the Exactly. Yes, because I can't, stack, exactly, I can't exactly. throw a football, but I could scramble. Well, I mean, essentially, because what you're going to do is Drew Veers, as we all know, is not very mobile, and so what what it gives you the ability to do is you can line Taysom Hill up in the backfield, put Kamara next to him, and say, pick one, and whichever one you pick, you're wrong, and that's what they did, and that's how they scored the last touchdown to 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 tie it up was they put Kamara, they ran the zone, they ran it all to their left, the linebackers flew super hard bit on Kamara, and Taysom Hill just kept it, runs in for a touchdown. They're, they're making you pick and choose who to stop, and not that's that Taysom going to— That's why is so
2: deadly when Thomas actually comes back. Right, and,
1: and, and with, with, you know, with Hill, again, like you just said, he's never going to be the 300, 400-yard-a-game quarterback like Breeze is, but those are the things that he's going to be able to do, and that's why they paid him a ton of money, because he gives them that advantage— Especially in goal line situations where you have to
2: pick someone. Chris, you wanted the Packers to keep him.
0: No, I, I, I actually, I didn't think he was, I didn't think he was a bad uh, backup. I thought he was fairly serviceable. Uh, I thought he had a lot of potential there. Certainly, McCarthy saw it. Um, with that being said. The Packers backup quarterback job is just that. It's going to be the Packers backup quarterback job until Aaron Rodgers. Like it's Rogers been for the
2: last 25 years. Dude, I don't even want to I don't even want to say the word backup and Packers together right now cuz Aaron Rodgers is on a tear. I am so I've about to happy say Jordan right Love may be the Aaron best Rogers.
0: first round pick we've had if just yes. to motivate just as motivation to have Aaron Rodgers go back to that elite level. I thought it was a waste of a pick when we did it, but if it pissed Aaron Rodgers off,
2: then so be it. If Russell Wilson was not having this type of year, oh, my God. Man. Well, you know,
0: and it's early yet, so we'll see how it ends, right? I mean, there's a lot of game, a lot of football left to
1: play. Yeah, and as you guys talk about the type of year, uh, man, Tuesday night football, who would have thunk we would ever be saying that?
2: I know, right? Tennessee just, at- you, so, so
1: Tennessee just scored with Derrick Henry, And forced a fumble on the ensuing kickoff. They now have the ball again in Buffalo territory. And they are probably going to score here again as they hand to the man-child, Derrick Henry. But but I I truly, listen.
2: What type of resilience is that, right? I was never,
1: I, I truly thought last year for Tennessee was a fluke. I thought there was a chance that they could be okay you know with with Jacksonville being bad with Houston I I didn't know how good they were really going to be but now they're about to be 4 and 0 and hand the Bills their first loss uh this is definitely a big statement made from Tennessee Titans
2: especially right now everything that they're facing right now and just um I mean I don't even think they had access to their facilities until uh, Saturday so even just to to come in here and and just be able to, to have a, a smooth game and you don't see a lot of flags here. I mean, this has been, i never expected this. I mean, they have the workhorse to do it, but I, I just didn't think that they would be, we just talked about cohesion. I would think they'd be that cohesive coming into this week and some of the distractions that they've had with COVID. And this is, this is great.
0: All right, well, now that we've gotten to the end of week five here, right? Well, week five's still going on here on a Tuesday night, but I don't think Buffalo's going to come back here in the next three and a half minutes. (laughs) So, right, with with 35-plus points there. Before we jump into our top ten this week, uh, and I think we just picked a great one here, like take a quick minute to talk about a new feature coming up on the podcast start next week going to be our memorabilia giveaway that's right folks my wife is on the warpath i have got too much memorabilia i have got to sit it down happy wife happy life and so we're going to be giving away some of my memorabilia all those years working for the brewers all those years in sports all those years collecting it are finally going to pay off for you It's probably going to be something quick and easy. We're going to probably ask that you subscribe to us on Spotify or iTunes there. Go in and follow us at thees3n on Instagram.com. And then tag five friends in our giveaway post. Make those friends eligible. Tell them to do the same. Follow us on Spotify. And I'm going to send out a hunky-dory piece of memorabilia. I'm thinking maybe a Robert Yacht rookie card to start it off. Maybe an autograph piece. Certainly maybe a couple of bobbleheads. Lord knows I have them by the box. So don't forget to tell your friends to listen and get a chance here to get some free stuff. My loss is your gain. With that, gentlemen, ES3N, top 10 wide receivers of all time. Before you get to that,
2: did you just say hunky-dory? (laughs)
0: Oh, I did, baby. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it honky dory with the library ivories wow. baby with that's, that's how being we said, do
1: it uh, here with that being said we're gonna keep moving right along here <laughs> top 10
0: all-time wide receivers es3n gentlemen do, do should i start it off or does somebody want to get in ahead i mean i think we all know who number one is so l i'm gonna let marquilla i'm gonna let you lead off here Give us your top right. 10, baby. I got,
2: a, I got a small disclaimer, but we'll get to that when the time comes. Um, it's reasoning behind my logic. and call me L. My name is Mark Kilio Atkins, but I go by lyrics of greater innovative creativity. That's my rap name. People call me L. But anyways, um, number 10, all-time greatest wide receivers. Um, this is kind of nostalgic for me. Um, it makes me think of my childhood and... Um, uh, I really had some problems. I, I, let me just tell you guys before I start naming people, this was the hardest list ever because it's such a sexy position. There's so many great wide receivers. I felt like I'm doing a disservice just regardless. So that's why I kind of cheated. But anyways, number 10, <laughs> I have Sterling Sharp. Um, as I said, nostalgic, going back to my, my childhood. Um Sterling Sharp is... is The, the wide receiver that made me pay attention to wide receivers growing up as a kid. Seeing Sterling Sharp, five time Pro Bowl, three time first team All Pro, three time NFL reception leader, um, two NFL receiving touchdown leaders was just, was great. Before we knew, um, Shannon, there was a Sterling, and that was the only Sharp we knew. We, we knew at the time. Um, so we got Sterling Sharp at number, yeah, we got Sterling Sharp at number 10, and we're going with, to keep with the Nostalgia. Um, we're going to keep it in Green Bay. Um, I have to – my dad would slap me if I named this list and didn't put James Lofton on there. The only person I can really think of that has touchdowns in the 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s. Uh, 533 catches, 9,616 yards as a Packer. Um what can you say, man? Um, just like I said with Sterling Sharp, I, uh, my introduction to football and catching the football was James Lofton. Um, number number eight, Chris Carter. Um, I felt like he always impacted the game. Him being in our division, he always terrorized the Packers. Um, Chris, Chris Carter was amazing, eight-time pro bowler, Two-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, a man of the year, NFL reception leader, three-time receiving touchdown leader. I mean, what can, what, what can you say better about Chris Carter? Great commentator, great all-around guy. Number seven, Megatron. Staying in a division, um, uh, someone else that torched the Packers, I had opportunity to, to be in the front row of the Megatron show, um just when you think of Calvin Johnson you kind of think of what if what if he played a, just a little bit longer with that six time pro bowl been about 10 time pro bowl or you know with that three time first time first team all pro been six time you know uh, all pro but Calvin Johnson is the prototypical wide receiver when if you were to put the definition of a wide receiver of uh, you know the big Wide receiver that you want—that's that's Calvin Johnson right there. Um Number six, we got Julio Jones. I had to go with someone playing now. You know, two-time All-Pro um, Julio Jones. When you think of the, the best wide receivers even playing right now, that that's a, of course a name that comes comes to mind. Seven-time Pro Bowl, um, NFL reception co-leader, All-Decade Team. Julio's been amazing. Um, number five is where I cheated. Okay. I started getting to the point to where I was like, oh man, I just I, certain people I just can't leave off. So I had a tie and I'm I'm living and dying by it and I don't care what you guys say. Anyways I got number five, I got Terrell <laughs> Owens and I got Antonio Brown together. I got I, you got, got, I got and who? And, and Antonio Brown. Okay. Um, six-time Pro Bowl, when you're talking about Terrell Owens, one of the most controversial, you know, one, another prototypical big, uh, wide receiver. Um, T.O., three-time NFL receiving touchdown leader, leader 2001, 2002, 2006. T.O. was the man for a while, and T.O. lets you know that he was the man for a while. Um, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, I I almost wanted to put Chad Ochocinco right there too, but I I went with Antonio Brown, seven-time Pro Bowl All-Star, two-time NFL reception leader, um, All-Decade team, uh, four-time first-team All-Pro. Other than the off-field scenarios, Antonio Brown, hands down, was one of the premier uh, wide receivers of our time. and definitely deserves to be on this list you guys would probably be shocked with my number four because i was kind of shocked with my number four randy moss six-time pro bowl four-time first team all pro uh 100 anniversary all-time team um decade all decade player comeback player of the year five-time receiving touchdown. I mean, when you think of wide receiver, you think of someone making the, the, the outrageous catch, you got Mossed, you know, that, what can you say more? Randy Moss. Um, number three, I got, I, something just made me give this man this, because I felt like he's, when it's all said and done, he's going to be, Mount Rushmore of wide receivers. And we kind of talked about them a little bit earlier, Chris, and Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, 11-time Pro Bowl, Pro Bowler, you know, um, two-time NFL reception leaders, two-time NFL reception touchdown leader. Um, amazing when you think of the wide receiver position, Larry Fitzgerald, of course. Um, number two. Yeah, number two, Marvin Harrison. When you think of a professional wide receiver, you think of Marvin Harrison. Uh, you know, anyone put the team together uh, and know that someone's going to get the job done. You don't have to worry about them having any issues in the locker room. Um, you might have some issues in the community, from what I've heard, some stories of Marvin Harrison. But on that, on that, uh, in that locker room or on that field you know, you're getting one of the best, if not the best. Um, To talk about his accolades, you know, eight-time Pro Bowl, three-time first-team All-Pro, five-time second-team, two-time NFL receiving yards, uh, NFL receiving touchdown co-leader. And last but not least, the GOAT from the Bay, E forty Fazarelli to tell you about the goats. Jerry Rice, number one man. Um, when you, even though you know when you look in the defi- when you look in the definition of wide receiver, you look at the prototypical, the size and things of that nature with Calvin Johnson. But when you just look at sheer skill and and what the 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 epiphany of what a wide receiver is, Jerry Rice comes to mind, man. Some of the best hands had some of the best hands since college. Um, three time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, two time NFL offensive player of the year, ten time all pro I mean accolades for accolades for accolades. Right. I mean, and
0: he played for twenty years, right? How are you gonna beat that? Name another Dad. wide receiver who's gonna play for twenty years. You
2: can't beat Other than James Lofton that caught touchdowns in the seventies, eighties and nineties but <laughs> hey hey
0: don't don't be peeking at my list yeah all right man since we've now heard your top 10 here any honorable mentions that didn't make the list
2: man so many so many like i, I mentioned chad ochocinco i mean you have you, i mean even when i think about like just certain receivers like even like a willie Galt, man even just like uh it, it, it's so many, man. It's so many. Even like a West Wall, West Walker. Um, even it, oh, man, it, it's too many. Even like an Andre Rising. I I, I loved Andre Rising growing up.
0: It's no doubt, and I I struggled with this list mightily too. There was a lot of back and forth. There was not one draft I went, oh, this is it. Andre I think Reed. I settled on my just, number one, just too many. and then everybody else <laughs> was a fight. All right, so I'll start going through mine. At number 10, Mr. Raider himself, Tim Brown, right? Nine-time pro Bowler, 1,094 receptions for nearly 15,000 yards, 100 touchdown receivers, and the only receiver on this list to retire ranked in the top five in both career receiving and return yards for me. All right, number nine, man, you're going to notice it's trend here. Colts, Reggie Wayne, right, benefactor of Peyton Manning, six-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, Super Bowl champ, 1,070 receptions, 14,345 yards, 82 82 touchdowns. His 93 career playoff receptions are second only to the great Jerry Rice. Number eight, I was going to say he was actually your number two Mark Helio, Marvin Harrison, Colts, eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, 1,100-plus receptions, 14,000 yards, 128 touchdown receptions, but he is responsible for almost a quarter of the touchdowns Peyton Manning ever threw. That'll right. you start talking Hall of Fame quarterbacks. If you could name one other wide receiver who caught at least 25% of that Hall of Fame quarterback's touchdowns, that's a list. Uh, your number nine, Marquilio, made my number seven, James Lofton, right? Played for the Packers, the Raiders, the Bills, the Eagles, the Rams. Was great on all of them. Eight-time Pro Bowler, 14,000 yards, and was actually one of the first players to reach that, that, that pinnacle there, the 14,000 yards, 75 touchdowns. Number six, this one was hard for me to give, but I kept coming back to him on my list because I don't know how I couldn't put him there having watched him play so much. Michael Irving of the Dallas Cowboys. Five-time Pro Bowlers, 750 receptions, 11,000 yards, 65 touchdowns. And I think part of it is just the way he did it and maybe the era he did it in. I have never been a great fan of Troy Aikman. I was never a huge Cowboys fan. But Michael Irvin pissed me off almost as no other. Uh, the gentleman who maybe pissed me off more is my number five on this list. Number four on yours, Markelio, Randy Moss, right, six-time Pro Bowler, fifteen thousand plus yards, hundred and fifty-six touchdowns, and then there's you know his shameful mooning of the Packers. But uh, the man had talent. Brett Favre begged his entire career to have Randy for the Packers to pick up Randy Moss, It never happened. Number four on my list is where we kind of start clumping around. Number three on your list there, Larry Fitzgerald, right? Arizona, only one's of, the only active player I still have on my list. Uh, time Pro Bowler, almost fourteen hundred receptions, seventeen thousand yards, and one hundred and twenty touchdowns. I don't think he's going to get two Jerry Rices, but he's the only one who's got a chance. He's the only one who's got a chance. Number three, and I'm going to catch some flack for where I put him on this list, Uh, but Megatron, baby. Calvin Johnson, another guy I hated to see. Just a ton of talent. Six-time Pro Bowler, 731 receptions, 11,000 receiving yards, 83 touchdown receptions, and he only played nine years. Let's face it, he had at least another five left in him. If he, like Barry Sanders, could have gotten out of Detroit, Lord knows what this guy would have done. Number two on my list. Just because I could not go without a Packer on my list, and as much as Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver deserve to be in the conversation, um, Don Hudson, dude. 1935, 1945, four Pro Bowls eight All-Pro, three-time Super Bowl champ, member of the All-1930s team. When he had hung them up, he had nearly twice as many receptions as the next closest player playing at that time. Like, one even close. Just dominated a league and a division during that time. And then, of course, what I expect to be the universal number one, and Richie, if you mess this up, we're pulling your card. Uh, Jerry Rice, man, right? San Francisco, the man, the myth, the legend, the goat. Jerry Rice, 13-time Pro Bowler, 10-time All-Pro, leads the list for most receptions at 1,549. Most yards, 22,895, and touchdowns at 197. Let's face it, these are there are not a whole lot of records that are never going to be broken this is one of them to so this one my friends I'm going to go ahead I got my bottle ready I know Mark has got a shot poured we're going to drink one to the one the man the myth the legend Jerry Rice and with that we'll let Richie mess up this top 10 wide receivers list with a Chicago <laughs> Bears on no no
1: no no Bears no Bears um you know, let's my guys, slogan
0: moving forward, no bears.
1: <laughs> you know, you guys constantly talked about how tough uh, it is t- this list was and the only list that I think we could potentially do that could be harder is possibly tight ends because the those two positions and especially wide receiver I don't know of any position in the NFL that has changed so much in terms of where you talk about, you know, Chris having Don Hudson to players like Antonio Brown. I mean there's just such a dramatic difference of how receivers are used, the expectation, what they're asked to do, what they're not asked to do. It's it's a it's a hard position to gauge and it comes down to almost preference or other factors that help contribute to their success or not. And so, you know, you guys talked about some of the guys you left off. I mean, you talk about leaving guys off. Lynn Swan, Reggie Wayne, Isaac Bruce, Fred Belitnikoff, Michael Irvin, Sterling Sharp, Lance Allworth, Don Hudson, Julio Jones. Otis not Taylor, on my, Dan Manier. Not, not on my list.
2: We said Sterling Sharp. Nah. I know, but I said, I
1: left, I'm just Yeah. But I'm
2: saying those guys didn't make my list, right? There's so many,
1: (laughs) and so you know we talk about ten. A guy that we unanimously have across the board, Megatron. I mean, how for what he was able to do while he was in the league, uh, he had to deal with the ever-dying Detroit Lions. You know, we talked about it with Barry Sanders. If he would have gotten out, what would we be looking at for a career for him? Unfortunately, we'll never find out. But uh, Calvin Johnson was one of the 10 best guys I've ever seen touch the field and play the position. My number nine might be a shocker, uh, to both of you. But when I looked at the resume and and I kept going over it in my head and I'm like, man, this dude for not having a person that you can probably even name, throw him the football. Had an absolute Hall of Fame career, Andre Johnson from the Houston Texans. You talk about 1,062 receptions, 14,000 yards, only 70 touchdowns. But how much of that has to do with his quarterbacks being uh, David Carr Car- and Matt Sch- <laughs> and, and Matt Schaub, right? You know, so he may not have the had had the, the throwing quarterback that some of these other guys have. Still a five time All Pro, seven Pro Bowls, led the league in receptions, led the league in yards twice. Had to find a way to get him on there. The other one that I have, uh, it to me was a game changer for how the game is kind of played today. When you look at guys like a Antonio Brown with his size, Steve Smith from the Carolina Panthers. And then played with Baltimore, Mighty Mouse. I mean, he was an absolute franchise changer for the Carolina Panthers. The uh, the atrocity that they were when he came into the league. Him teamed with uh, Julius Peppers as the face of the franchise. Got that team to a Super Bowl, and then he ended up get going to uh, another one with Baltimore. But fourteen thousand yards, best for fourteen thousand seven hundred thirty-one, best for eighth all time. Eighty-one touchdowns. Went to the Super Bowl once, five-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro, led the league in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. Um, My number eight. Number seven, Tim Brown. Chris touched on everything before. There's nothing else that can be said about his career and what he meant uh, to the Oakland Raiders. Number six, the guy who basically created the sideline catch, Chris Carter, Uh, 1,101 receptions, sixth all-time. Uh, just under 14,000 yards, 130 touchdowns for fourth all-time, eight-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro, probably would have been even higher had people not of early in his career claimed him as a locker room problem, uh, that he seemed to not have any issues when he got to Minnesota, but it is what it is. Uh, receptions leader, touchdown, multiple-time touchdown leader. Number five, Uh, Again, the man who would tell you he's the man and then he'd go stand in the middle of your star on your field and again tell you he's the man, Terrell Owens, uh, 1,078 receptions, eighth all-time, third in yards with just under 16,000, 153 touchdowns, best for third all-time, only had the one trip to the Super Bowl that he played on with a broken leg against the Patriots and absolutely torched their secondary, Um, but six-time Pro Bowl, five-time All-Pro, three-time touchdowns leader. Number four, Marvin Harrison, fifth all-time in receptions, just over 1,100. Uh, 14,580 yards for ninth all-time. 128 receiving touchdowns for fifth all-time. Super Bowl champ, eight-time All-Pro. Eight, uh, yeah, eight-time All-Pro. Receiving leader, touchdowns leader, reception leader. Number three, the everlasting guy who's never going to die and he's never going to retire, Larry Fitzgerald. The only guy who might be able to, as Chris said, get somewhere close to Jerry Rice's numbers, Uh, he's coming up on 1,400 catches for second all-time, just over 17,000 yards for second all-time, 120 receiving touchdowns for sixth all-time. They got the one Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, but 11-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro, receptions leader, receiving touchdowns leader. Number two and number one come down to one factor for me. And it's the amount of gold or jewelry that they put on their fingers. Because as people debate the conversation of who is the greatest NBA player and the greatest basketball player, when you talk about Jordan and LeBron, to me those are two different questions. Very similar to the idea of the greatest receiver of all time and the greatest offensive weapon of all time. Number two, I have who I consider to be the greatest offensive weapon of all time, and it's because he went to two Super Bowls, didn't win either, and that's Randy Moss. 982 receptions, over 15,000 yards, 156 touchdowns. Again, two Super Bowl trips, no rings, six-time Pro Bowl, four-time All-Pro five-time touchdown leader, most touchdowns in a single season, most receiving touchdowns as a rookie in NFL history. When you talk about 6'4", 40-inch vert, 4'3 speed, Dante Culpepper could literally just cover his eyes and shoot darts, and Moss was going to win that battle. Uh, He he was, uh, like I said, it's a trick question to me because I think he's the most dangerous threat we've ever seen line up in the receiver position, But, number one in receptions, number one in yards, number one in touchdowns, three Super Bowls, a Super Bowl MVP, two-time Offensive Player of the Year, Jerry Rice's numbers speak for themselves. Oh, yes. He's the greatest receiver to have ever played the game. Uh, You know, six-time yards leader, two-time receptions leader, six-time touchdowns leader, 12-time All-Pro, again. It, that's a tough one for me because i look at it as two different questions but to me one and two uh are not up for debate but jerry rice as the greatest receiver of all time
2: well richie didn't mess up the church's money so i'm glad you know we we were I'm about all to unanimous. say that may <laughs>
0: only be the second time that we have all picked the same player in the number one position here because we certainly didn't agree I mean... Didn't necessarily agree with it on quarterback. We didn't necessarily agree with it on running back. We did agree uh Nolan Ryan. <laughs> I am about to say, Nolan Ryan. We it all picked out. Well, yes.
2: But we lo- we lost two greats um, just of lately to make you kind of reevaluate that with Bob Gibson and Tom Seaver, and we'll get, I guess. And there's another one that we're going to touch on here later say, in the gonna show. We're going to keep
0: talking about it, man. The loss for baseball racks up. But before we get into that, folks, we're going to take a quick break here at ES3N. Remember, if you're not already following us, you should be either on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes. You can email us if you think we got the top 10 list wrong, or if you just like to recommend the topic at the Essential Sports Network 3 at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can always follow us and get in on all the fun and upcoming contests. At the ES3N on Instagram.com. Till then, folks, we'll speak to you next time. Have a great one. Ha- <laughs>